0: So, uh, you know, with this great network of crime journalists, uh, I found myself having with the with with all the work doing this. Uh, one of the, the great links I have is right over to Russia, uh, to Nico, who uh, been in contact for some time. He's uh, got an interesting story as a, as a as a, as a narco journalist. He actually uh, had some trouble with the law and with drugs. Uh, was in prison in the UK. He's originally from Russia. Um, he told me he read my book in prison, um, which I was very pleased to hear and has been um, helped him on the path, he said, to uh, doing uh, crime journalism, narco journalism. Um, but he's in Russia. And right now, with everything that's happening, it's great to talk to him a little bit about the situation in Russia right now. So it's a great to talk to you, uh, Nico um, there. Just tell me a little bit about you know, where you are right now um, and what you've been seeing the last couple of days
1: yeah so I'm um, back in back in St Petersburg and i'm I'm not gonna lie. It's been a whirlwind of a of a week because nobody was fucking expecting uh an actual invasion because um, we all like uh most Muslims most we kind of we we understood we thought we thought we understood uh the logic behind uh, Putin's actions which is keep, uh, keep uh, Ukraine out of NATO, right? Because it's kind of like um, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know? Like America just totally lost their shit when Cuba joined the Russian-led alliance, right? So we thought it was something along those lines. And it was just basically saber-rattling, maybe like bully Ukraine for a bit. Um, we didn't think that the Mad Bastard was actually going to do it. And so... On Thursday morning, we all, uh, or at least me and, and uh, not, not everyone, but most of my friends, we were just in shock. And because Ukraine is like, even, even Putin himself said this uh, many times, that Ukraine is supposed to be you know, our brother country. Uh, we have a lot of shared history. Our history together with Ukraine uh, goes back over a thousand years. Uh, so it's like, it's not like I'm, I'm not saying that, that, that it's, uh, uh, This this makes it any better, but you know, like when, when you hear about wars happening in Syria and your country's involved in Syria. So I'm, I'm, I have, I'm British and Russian. So, uh, both of my countries have been involved in, in bombing Syria to one degree or another, but there it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, uh, play down what, what's happening in Syria, but. They're in a desert in the Middle East, a thousand miles away, whereas these are like literally our neighbors, our friends, sometimes our families, because a lot of Ukrainians um, have family in Russia and vice versa. So it was uh, very shocking to me that this was this was actually happening because none of us thought this was going to happen.
0: OK, now you, you said you've been um, in a couple of the protests you've seen happening in St. Petersburg. Like, how big are they? You know, how dangerous are they in terms of people being arrested? And what's the general feeling in these protests? Uh, so the
1: protests began almost right away. Um, at first, because um, there's a, a protests are like, like I'm, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so don't, don't quote me 100% this, but de facto, most protests are illegal, uh, especially after the, the COVID uh, restrictions so well, what a lot of people were doing before was they're doing like one man pickets, so they're just standing up there with a sign saying no to war or something like that. And um, that all changed suddenly um with this Ukraine thing. so it was it wasn't just in St. Petersburg, it was in I think something like that night, something like one thousand eight hundred people got arrested in fifty three cities. Across the country, um, including my friend's girlfriend, um, about half of them were in Moscow. St. Petersburg is like at, when I was when I was actually there. It didn't seem like that big of a crowd, but that could be because I was at the ground level and I was surrounded by people either way, so I couldn't see very far. But then when I saw the the video from above, and also uh, when I heard about the number of arrests, there were three hundred. 50 or 400 arrests in Saint Petersburg alone that night. Uh, so that mean, means there must be, let's say, like this is, this is a completely unscientific estimate. Let's say like one in six people were arrested, and that I'm not basing it out of anything at all. It's just number fucked out of the air. One in six. I know there must be at least like three or four thousand people there uh, on just that one night alone.
0: So yeah, it was it was pretty substantial. And And when you get sorry if if I may interrupt, if when you get um, arrested, what are you talking about? Like you know, is it like an arrest, like you know, uh, demonstration? Maybe in the US, UK, often it's you're arrested, taken down the cells, processed, released, or is it you're arrested, you're going to be stuck in prison for some time? What kind of risk are people taking by going these demonstrations?
1: Um, legally speaking, to be honest, I don't think the, the, the risk is that bad. I think in most cases, they just take you away for a while and then, and then uh, dump you someplace or leave you at the station. Uh, but uh, if you kind of distinct, distinguish yourself somehow among the other uh, ar- arrestees, then yeah, you, you might face uh, charges. But I don't think that's, uh, the, I think the main fear for people isn't so much the, the criminal charges themselves just dealing with the Russian police because a it's a bureaucratic nightmare. You're going, if you're charged, you're going, even if the charge is like the, the, you're not going to be sent to prison, just like going to court, dealing with, with all that. It's just such a hassle. And secondly, like the Russian police aren't, um, aren't very nice. Um, I think generally like they, they're probably not going to torture like all the, all the protesters just like on a whim. Yeah. But like, they do have a strong reputation for torture in general. I'm not saying that's happened and I haven't heard of it happening to protesters yet. Um, but yeah, it's like most Russian, Russians experience the police is like not positive to say the least. Or well, there's a lot of shaking down for bribes, for example, um, and people don't wanna be in that kind of unpredictable
0: situation. Shaking down for bribes, that that sounds very Mexico. (laughs) That that, that certainly happens here. So obviously Russia is a very big country and you're seeing the view in St. Petersburg um, and there's a lot of um, control and influence, I understand, over the press, over information. But do you have any sense of how much the country is supporting this war, supporting Putin? How much... You know, it's against it. What is your sense of that?
1: Um, I think, like, if I had to guess, uh, I'd hope that it seems like most people are against it because, uh, first of all, on social media, I haven't uh, seen anyone at all actually um, say that, like, yeah, let's fucking uh burn kiev to the ground um i have seen some people who are saying like um because the, the the reason given for the operation for the invasion right was i am um, this isn't the the real reason uh, this is obvious but the reason that they've given is uh it's a peacekeeping mission to to protect the the people of donbass the the russian-speaking part of eastern ukraine and to a certain extent, like the people of Donbass have been living basically under siege for eight years. So you can kind of see the logic there, but um, like Kiev has nothing to do. The like, people living in Kiev have nothing to do with, the, like, if it was really about a peacekeeping mission to Donbass, Russians could have just moved in, taken over the rebel controlled areas in a day, facing no resistance from the Ukrainians because these are areas they're in control anyway. And just called it a day, but instead they went to Kiev. But I haven't seen anyone actually supporting the invasion as such. Um, there's also an interesting thing uh, that came out, I think it was yesterday. Uh, the Levada, which is an independent polling agency, and you can generally trust them because they're not affiliated with the government and they actually get a lot of stick from the government. Uh, so they did a survey, and about half of Russians. Uh, still blamed America and and NATO for the crisis, but but this is important. But only fourteen percent blamed Ukraine. So we're going to we have to be doing some serious mental gymnastics on a mass scale to justify what's going on now. And considering um, the Russian media, like I've watched the. I haven't been watching it obsessively, but I've watched. I've seen some of it. Um, like the state-owned media. They haven't been buttering us up for an invasion at all mm. you think like if we're getting into a fucking nightmarish total war with our next door neighbors where a lot of our friends and relatives live they try to prep the population a little into kind of accepting that right but now like um, russian military haven't released any uh any death statistics yet which i think is is interesting um so potentially there could be hundreds if not thousands of grieving mothers out there now who were not expecting their sons to die the next week over reasons which haven't been like properly articulated to them. So I unless Putin expects the quick victory, I don't think um, public opinion is on his side. But I've been wrong before.
0: <laughs> as 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 we will have, as we will have. Now um, as we're both crime journalists uh, and, and have been uh, specialising in, in crime and drugs and all of these things, um, I'm very interested in, in, in Russia about the power of... Oh, oh sorry. Just
1: one, one, one thing. Before I forget, um, during the, the protests, I wasn't there when this happened in St. Petersburg, but apparently, like, the riots, I did see the riot squad uh, grabbing people pretty much by random. I have no idea how they choose, but there's videos of... Uh, like an 80 plus year old woman who survived the siege of Leningrad being carried away and another one of a mother with her baby being carried away. So they really don't. That's that illustrates what the Russian police's approach to this
0: is. Anyway. Back yeah, to yeah, the... yeah, yeah, quite incredible. Now, so, virtually in the power of Putin and the, and the power structure of Russia. So, you know, we hear about oligarchs uh, and then we also hear about kind of russian mafia crime bosses and and, and this kind of thing you know uh, this 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 interplay there um how much is that true how much is there a mix between kind of mafia bosses and oligarchs you know is there a real crossover um are they some of the same people or or is that a misinterpretation we have um that's
1: an interesting question it's kind of like an evolution so um basically like in the in the soviet era this is like already even in, in stalin's era there used to be uh so basically a prison gang let's call them called vodovs Zakonia thieves in law and they're like the original sort of russian mafia i don't know like if mafia is really the correct word here but they're like uh organized criminal subculture you could say and they have they're the ones who are famous for like all their prison tattoos you know like the church towers on their backs and everything else um so there's them and they pretty much um remained gangsters for the most part um whereas like but like in the 90s there, there they, they were they were uh still doing their thing in the '90s as well. But then in the '90s there was another class, of sort of like uh mobster capitalists, right? whose whose main um main 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 objective was to make money. Uh, and then they didn't really care about all of these weird like prison traditions that the 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 thieves in law tried to uphold. Um all this, all this like criminal subculture. They, they didn't care, they just wanted money like the fastest way possible, whether it's legal or illegal. And what these guys did uh, is basically, uh, by the time uh, Putin took over, he had sort of a unofficial kind of policy of like reigning in uh, the excesses of like, because in, ni- in the 90s, when all this was going on, there was a lot of Uh, gang wars and actually Russia had one of the highest murder rates in the world for a while It's definitely in the top 10 like next to South Africa and Jamaica and Brazil and stuff so basically he reigned he reigned the men and a lot of them kind of went semi went legit or semi-legit so basically now a lot of the people who are oligarchs and uh, billionaires and politicians now uh they all made their way in a really sleazy way in the nineties and some of them some of them were uh crime bosses basically and but now they're elected deputies in the parliament or they're respectable businessmen um but so essentially uh we've gone from sort of like more kind of uh open kind of street thug kind of gangsterism to more just kind of gangsterism of the of the whole system
0: but is there is there a sense
1: like say right
0: is, is it like in mexico you have i guess the the narco politicians in mexico uh, might be linked or, or getting money from from big criminal factions is that true or is that not quite you know like you know like drugs i mean like you get like politicians who are governors who are getting money from drugs you know directly Is that also true in Russia or or is that that not true in Russia?
1: Uh, With politicians, I don't know. Um, With the cops, it's definitely true. Uh, What's interesting about the the drugs in Russia in the last 10 years, this this is a very new phenomenon. So basically the kind of the old school kind of drug dealer you have to actually call or go and meet somewhere has almost disappeared. So they're like... They're like old school brick and mortar bookshops in the age of Amazon. So basically almost everything has gone online on the dark web. Uh, But what we're finding now is um, a lot of uh, pot cops, even police chiefs, there's been a couple police chiefs who've who've been busted for this. They've set up their own online drug shops and either they sell money selling drugs, some of which they've confiscated from dealers or they, um, if they, because uh, in Russia, they have kind of a quota system. Um, so like it, you should uh, kind of like, I think they have in some, in some police departments in America, this is a theme in the war. I think like you need to have this many arrests to show that you're, you're doing a good job. You know, you have to have this sort of measure of police activity. So like what they do when they, when they haven't arrested enough people is using their drug shop, They basically just set up their own customers because they know um, the way the way drugs are sold in Russia is um, because the Russian postal system sucks. It's a dead drop system. So you send them the money or the the cryptocurrency and then they don't they don't uh, mail you the drugs. They tell you where the drugs are hidden, usually in a park or some woods and you have to go on a little quest to find them. So since the police know where they've hidden the drugs, they can just wait around the corner to bust you. Mm. And they can get to keep the cryptocurrency, which they fucking uh, took from you as their drug profit. So it's <laughs> like a double win for them.
0: Wow. Now, do you, you know, right now you've got these economic measures being taken. Um like how worried are you you know do you know what it means do you know it's going to mean you cannot be you're not going to get paid from the stories you write and the, the journalism you do can you still get access to your bank accounts or do you have any idea what it's going to mean for you or for people individually and what's it, this is going to mean for the economy um in the next you know days or weeks
1: um i yeah i mean i can i'm definitely still getting paid for the stories the problem is I can't spend that money or cash out while I'm here or I can, but right now it's very complicated because I have a British bank account and all, uh, all the connections to British banks have been cut. So, um, basically I've got the Western union money to myself. I'm not sure how that long that's going to last. Uh, but yeah, I've just, I've got to physically go, uh, send, send myself like, Two or $300 in Western Union and go to Western Union and pick up the car. I can't do anything with my, my cards, are all useless now. Um, but even if you have a Russian bank account, a lot of people have. Um... Yeah, and when, when I first found out that my card didn't work, I was actually in a restaurant. It was a very awkward situation because I couldn't pay. So basically, they held my, my wallet hostage until the next day when I could get some cash from Western Union. But apparently it's been affect effect, like the sanctions they've been affecting, um, they've been affecting Russian banks as well and people's ability to use their cards. Because uh, uh, when, when, I, when, I, when I tell people about, about like shopkeepers or, or, or cafe works about this, they're like, yeah, like a lot of our customers just haven't been able to pay with their cards. Uh, some people have cleverly prepared for this. Apparently a lot of pensioners People out of cash anyway. So they're 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 ready. But yeah, the we're feeling the sanctions already. And unfortunately, I don't think uh, so far at least, I think they're like the sort of like the Russian elites and like the billionaires, I think they have some contingency plans. So I think most of these sanctions, they're mostly gonna affect the uh, kind of everyday Russians rather than Putin's inner circle, although Putin's inner circle will also be affected.
0: So yeah, so talking about that, you know the the, the rich, the oligarchs, uh, the, the the people talk about the people with huge amounts of money, um, and with businesses all over, including a lot of money in the UK. Um, how do you, will they turn on Putin? Do you think if this crisis gets bad enough, or you know, have you got any idea what their reactions going to be, and if they're losing a lot of money, you know, will they turn on the president?
1: I mean, it's possible. I don't think that, like, I don't want to speculate about individuals too much, but I would say that, um, first of all, I'd say there's definitely some, some discomfort in the elites already uh, because the daughter of uh, Dmitry Peskov, who's the Kremlin spokesman, her, uh, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday she posted no war on her Instagram, and it was, it was delete, mysteriously deleted shortly afterwards. But I think we can say that the um, not everyone is is too keen on on playing for Team Putin right now. How much of that is, and uh, how if that whether that will influence his decisions in any way? Uh, I don't I don't really know. It's a very closed off circle. But I assume that um, basically a lot of these these the 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 rich Russians, the so called new Russians, the oligarchs, they don't really like. They don't want they don't want to stay in Russia. Like a lot, of, they like their holidays in the French Riviera. They don't want to live in North Korea. They want to enjoy their money, whether ill-gotten or not, you know. So it's possible that uh that they would, would try to, shall we say, put, make Putin reconsider his position for health reasons. Uh, put it that way. Or some some influence him in some way, but it's a it's a very closed off circle, and it's hard to tell what's really going on there.
0: Well, do you have, what about the, the Russian community in, in the UK? Um, you know what's you know what, again what you know what, what when the Russian community in the UK? What do we, is, I guess it's a very broad community. I imagine you must have you know some very very rich you know Russian billionaires there, but also um, you know middle class and, and working class Russians there as well as some Russian mafia there you know what's your sense of the the Russians in the UK and how they're feeling about what's happening right now
1: um I don't think that from 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 my my sort of Russian friends in the UK uh, my their reaction was mainly uh sh- like shock the same as me so Again, like uh and this is a view I, I, I didn't fully agree, but I sympathize with so for example, I have one friend um who 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 like up and up until the invasion happened, he he was talking about how this is basically NATO's fault for creeping up on, on Russian borders. But this is before the bombs were dropping. And now he's like. I'm ashamed of my country. And he's like, main thing he's posting now is links to help Ukrainian refugees. So, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that, like, like as, as in the Russians in Russia, I think a lot of people are shocked.
0: Um, wow. Um, now, one of the things we've seen um, in the invasion, one of the forces, and uh, you know, we've seen we talk about this, like, this Chechen. Um, kind of special forces. Um, there's also a lot of kind of Chechen mafia as well, I understand, as well. Um, a few years ago, I spent a lot of time with a bunch of Chechens in, um, in Syria, of all places, but like before the war, a long, long time before the war, there was a, a, a big Chechen community over in, in, in the Middle East and spent a bunch of time with them. Um, w- but what's your sense of, do you have, know much about this kind of Chechen... Uh, elite in the military uh, and, and how much are they connected to kind of, um, you know, what kind of people are they or, or you know, much profile about them? Um,
1: well, Chechens are quite interesting because they're fighting on both sides of the of the conflict. So you have the guys who would be uh, fighting for, for for Russia in this case would be the, the they're called the Kadyrovtsy. So they're basically uh, basically uh, the way the Chechen war ended was Moscow picked out, like, the warlord which they could best get along with, who was Ramzan Kadyrov, and they basically made him the, the ruler of, of Chechnya. He rules an, He's actually crazier than Putin. He's, he's a really bad dude. I think even Putin might be a little bit afraid of him. Um, so that's why he lets him do pretty much what he wants. Uh, in his in his Republic his Instagram by the way Kadyrov's Instagram used to be a thing to behold in posing with all his pet tigers and whatnot <laughs> um, anyway so he's got his own basically private uh, militia/ slash goon squad who are called the the Kadyrovsi. and actually they um, they've actually even gotten into the shootouts with um, federal agents from Moscow before um, almost got into kind of a shooting war with the, with the FSB when the FSB tried to move in and capture one of them. I didn't know all the details, so maybe I'm getting that slightly wrong, but there was definitely a standoff. Uh, so that, that would be the guys who are fighting uh, on on, on, the, on the Russian side. But there's also uh, there's also two, two battalions of Chechens who are fighting for the Ukrainians. Uh, one of them is called the Drakhar Dadaev Battalion, which is named after the the first secular president of when Chechnya was very briefly independent in the 90s. Um, And they're led by a a British educated guy actually called Adam Osman. And then there's the Sheikh Mansour battalion, which is named after a Chechen resistance leader in the 18th century. And they're more of the sort of jihadi types. Um, They One, jihad is kind of an unfair term, but there's definitely more of a sort of jihad vibe about them than the other guys, but they are are led by guys who fought uh, Russia in the Second Chechen War when it was becoming more of a religious rather than a purely nationalist conflict. And yeah, they're fighting uh, alongside the um, far-right battalions such as Azov, which probably makes for strange conversations
0: between bombings. Wow. Um, well, you know, just a, just a last question. Um, I mean, this is a, is a, a long, big deal, but a last question right now, uh, I mean, how, how are you feeling? Are you scared? Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of surreal, I guess, for all of us, uh, following this, you know, like suddenly this war happening and kind of, it kind of breaks with reality. Um, I grew up in the in the Cold War and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in my in my 40s now. I grew up in the, in the Cold War when it was, you know, back in the day in the 80s when I was very scared. I grew up as a child being very terrified of nuclear war. Um, <laughs> you've got a feeling that right now. How scared are you? How optimistic are you? you know, what are you what are you seeing in the feeling right now about the future?
1: Oh, you know, like, I, I, as I I said earlier, like, I thought before I could kind of, um, I could understand, I could even, not necessarily agree, but I could sympathize with with a lot of Putin's actions. I thought I could see the logic of bullying Ukraine to staying out of NATO, because, you know, I figured, like, America would would do the same thing uh, in this situation, but, like, now all bets are off like i don't i don't know i don't know what what putin's rationale is right now um i don't see what ukraine has that russia doesn't that's worth massive body count all this fucking money we're spending on flying throwing missiles at them every day uh Becoming basically the equivalent of an incel on the U- on the world stage. Uh, <laughs> tor- Torpedoing our own economy, like I don't. For, for what? Like we could we could have still uh, Russia could have still like intimidated Ukraine and in other like we could have kind of put a trade embargo on them, you know, mm. or something like that. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that's what I want to do. I don't want to bully Ukraine at all. But I'm saying that. There, are, there could have been other means, rather than basically the first interstate war in Europe of this century. And well, I do not know what's gonna happen. Um, I didn't, now that like, uh, as, as far as I can see, the Ukrainians are actually holding up pretty well. Like the Russians haven't captured a single major city so far. So I'd say like all the talk about uh, Russia advancing to Poland or whatever is uh is a bit overblown. We've, we've got our hands tied fighting the Ukrainians right now. but you know like I, I have no idea what what this is, and I think it could be darker days ahead for Russia because now we're getting more and more cut off from the because Twitter and Instagram have been um have been blocked basically i we we managed to check because i'm using a vpn uh so i'm afraid that we're gonna grow from authoritarian which is what it is now to more totalitarian like i didn't think that was really a, a possibility but you know like i didn't think that war with our next door neighbors our brother nation was a possibility either and yet here we are so like I'm throwing out my looking glass.
0: Well, yeah, it's scary days ahead, certainly, and uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of Russians might, maybe, might be leaving the country in the future. We might see more of them here in Mexico or in the UK and in various places. Um, Well, look, that was great, Uh, Nico. um, Where can people find your work? Um, You know, what kind of stuff are you doing right now?
1: Um. So yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter um, at Lemmy, Wink, Lemmy winks the third let winks as in the gerbil from South Park. Um. And I've written a book called uh called Dope World, which is basically about uh, kind of the history of the the war on drugs around the world. And I was I was uh, writing another book about the history of of weed in Asia, Africa, and Asia, but think my travel plans might be cancelled for the foreseeable future
0: <laughs> okay well, no, well definitely i'll put your, your 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 twitter link there and so it's always always enjoy seeing your stuff there so, well look um great talking to you in the future we'll have to talk more you know deeply about your uh, your story and in, in prison in the uk and your own story and journey to becoming sure. a journalist but uh, but much appreciated
1: sure thanks very much